1: A new week and a new way to tackle the virus. England's traffic light system unveiled. This is coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. If you're in England, your area will soon be classified as medium risk, high risk or very high risk by the government. And from Wednesday, that'll dictate your freedoms. In a bid to simplify the rules, Boris Johnson announced a new model of local COVID alert levels on Monday.
0: Just as we simplified our national rules with the rule of six, we will now simplify and standardise our local rules by introducing a three-tiered system of local COVID alert levels in England uh, set at medium, high and very high.
1: Places deemed very high risk, that's Tier 3, which includes the Liverpool city region, will ban social interaction indoors and in private gardens and shut pubs and bars. People are also advised against travelling in and out of these areas. The high tier, that's tier two, reflects current local lockdown restrictions, preventing people from mixing with other households indoors. And the medium tier, that's tier one, will cover most of the country and reflect the current national rules. So the rule of six will apply for social gatherings and venues, including bars and restaurants, have to shut at 10 p.m. Find out what the restrictions will be in your area by following the link in the show notes to this episode. So to find out how much of a difference this system will make on the day that the Prime Minister confirmed that more people in England are in hospital with the virus than on the day the lockdown was announced in March, I gave Dr Elisabetta Grappelli a call. She's a virologist and lecturer in global health at St George's University of London. And she started by telling me why she welcomes the simplicity of the three-tier traffic light system.
0: First of all, I think the most important thing is that uh, we've heard the Prime Minister spelling out the need for simplifying and uh, standardising rules because this has been uh, a a big issue uh, locally but also nationally. So it's fantastic that something, you know, has been taken on board. And it's quite telling, I think, that it starts with medium uh, because there is no, um, you know, first entry level, which is actually, for example, a low level. So it really, this, again, highlights the situation that we are in at the moment, which is a situation of concern and a situation that requires action.
1: Do you welcome the fact that this guidance, uh, this three-tier system, very much focuses on social interactions?
0: I do welcome the fact that uh, the, the Prime Minister has been talking about households and interactions, you uh, in co- know, social contacts, because this has a lot of virological sense. Viruses spreads from person to person. So it is by controlling uh, interactions of, of people that we can uh, put a, a lid on, on spreading. However, I do have some doubts about is this enough? Is this uh, alert system actually, this tier system uh, enough in terms of actions that are required to actually curb the, the spread? And uh, obviously, there will be more details coming out also, especially as the, the fine print is going to be um, debated and discussed in the parliament. But generally speaking, again, if we look at a virus spreading within our societies, yes, it, it does spread uh, human to humans, person to person in household settings, but also it does spread in other environments, in other settings. And I think this is uh, where the data is a little bit more sketchy, but also where uh, the, the prime minister seems to be uh, simply going in the direction of uh, uh, just tackling social interactions while leaving everything else uh, as it is. And by everything else, I mean education and, uh, and business.
1: That focus on social settings that we've talked about, that was one thing that struck me about the announcements on Monday. But the other was the lack of focus on the test, trace and isolate system, um, which you'd hope would be working in conjunction with these lockdown measures. I don't need to remind listeners that Boris Johnson said that we would have a world beating test, track and trace system. uh, And now we don't really have one that's fully functional. How damaging do you see that being to public health at the moment?
0: I think the the, the challenges or the the lack of a proper solid uh, test-to-trace isolate system is uh, is very much underpinning a lot of the challenges that uh, actually the UK and England especially are facing at the moment. Uh, So much that uh, we can see, uh, we can trace down to an inability to actually Test effectively and then trace. But also, I think the lack of test trace isolating system is also underpinning the, the lack of clarity about why, for example, there is an intervention in the hospitality industries versus other um, other settings. And so testing and tracing was mentioned uh, earlier today about one of the three defences that we have against the coronavirus and was briefly mentioned about, uh, you know, empowering local authorities uh, with uh, reinforcing testing and tracing and giving resources. Again, however, details were missing. How actually is this going to happen? How also the integration of information that has to be trickling down to the right people uh, locally, but also being used uh, with some details to inform policy. So all of this is still um, a little bit uh, lacking details and unfortunately does contribute to um, consequences and unfortunately the, the wrong trajectory, wrong direction of the trajectory of the data that we're seeing. That
1: frustration about the lack of data that you share is voiced uh, regularly by journalists at the press briefings, today's included, who constantly ask for proof that the virus is spreading in the settings that are going to be affected by local lockdowns, like hospitality. Barely a day goes by, it feels like these days, where they or Keir Starmer, so Keir Starmer, the leader of the Labour Party, the opposition, um, don't ask the government and their advisors for proof that certain measures will work. But is that proof that the government could realistically even provide? Is that even possible to say, listen, we know these measures are going to work when we, say, um, impose a 10pm curfew? Because we've never been in a situation exactly like this set of circumstances now, even if this set of circumstances now is comparable to March, it's not exactly the same.
0: Yes, I mean, there are certainly um, reasons that when when we say we don't know in the sense that uh, it's an unprecedented situation, but also is not uh, even if it's a novel virus, uh, we started understanding how it spreads. And so there is a a virological logic uh, about if the virus spreads in closed environments, you know, let's prevent uh, people gathering from uh, closed environments. There isn't any specific data about closing pubs uh, or deciding on a 10 o'clock curfew, but we've seen that actually different European countries, for example, have adopted the same measures because uh, there is some virological sense. Uh, However, this virological sense, uh, which which is clear, it's uh, unproven, untested, but also I think uh, it still needs to be guided by the data that we have in sense. uh, um, If if we have information that the vast majority of the new cases in England actually have caught the virus in the hospitality sector, by all means, uh, tackle that. But uh, I don't think the data is there to inform this policy and also to make sure to show that actually this policy will work. Um, There are some some data from from other countries. And because I'm Italian, I look at the uh, the Italian data a little bit more in details. And in that case, the last week, more than 70% of the new cases, of the new outbreaks actually, occurred in households. So, I think, uh, uh, you know, that data is certainly informing policy in, in Italy, but it would be great if we had an, an easy um, or at least a, a clear presentation of the data, um, which, however, I don't think is, is going to be that simple because uh, it's not just journalists that need to dig around for the data. I have to do that as well. And it looks like, again, the fragmentation of, uh, of the information and data is not put together in a coordinated way. And I think it's not just the communication that suffers. It looks like policy is also suffering from this.
1: Moving back onto the three tier system, how likely do you think it'll be that areas will just veer between all three tiers? We know by now uh, it's pretty obvious that rates rise when restrictions are relaxed. So Once you move into, say, tier one, so the lowest tier with the fewest restrictions, is it not just a matter of time before you move back into tier two and then possibly three if we continue to relax restrictions before we have a vaccine?
0: I think that there is certainly a level of uh, inevitable. Uh, yes, as we said uh, at the end of uh, when we lifted the first uh, draconian lockdown, uh, we were expecting transmission to, to occur. However, the idea was that, yes, we will see an increase in transmissions, but we will maintain it as localized clusters because we will go in and curb transmission to and keep it to manageable levels. So, so the idea if you actually move again from a, a, a tier three down to a tier two would actually be that uh, you must have in place a system that allows you to actually go to tier two, but then stay there. And so this uh, situation has to be dynamic, there has to be dynamic in, in the response. And that, but it also has to be clear what actually are the drivers, the criteria to move up, and what needs to be done uh, to move back down? And number of cases are certainly an important factor, but again, we are seeing that hospitalizations, tests, and tracing are the ones that actually are far more important when it comes to deciding um how you know how to act and also. How how to sustain uh, this this what it is a, a chronic situation we are in a pandemic it's an emergency but it's not an acute situation any, anymore it's a chronic with all the fluctuations and uh, uh, dynamic aspects of a of a chronic situation
1: the rest of the coronavirus latest news NHS Nightingale hospitals in Manchester, Sunderland and Harrogate are being asked to get ready to take patients. Government advisers say admissions are rising, with more elderly people needing urgent treatment for COVID-19. More people are now in hospital with coronavirus than before restrictions were announced in March. Three million people have missed vital cancer screenings after taking the government's message to stay home and protect the NHS literally, according to Cancer Research UK. New analysis by the charity also found that more than 350,000 people who should have been urgently referred for cancer checks weren't. The charity's warning of lengthening queues for diagnosis and treatment with understaffed oncology units struggling to work through the backlog. It comes as NHS England's medical director, Professor Steve Powis, urged those who need it to use the health service. China's aiming to test more than 9 million residents of the port city of Qindao within five days, following a minor outbreak of six confirmed cases. It's the first mass testing the country will have carried out in months. If you'd like more information on any of those stories, head to the episode description. I'll put links to our full write-ups there, as well as a link to telegraph.co.uk slash audio, where listeners can get a 30-day Telegraph subscription completely free. We'll be guiding you through the changing rules and updated guidelines as the UK steers its way through the pandemic almost seven months after the first lockdown came into force. I'm not sure whether that's gone incredibly quickly or very, very slowly. Whilst you're there, I can highly recommend a piece by my colleague Sarah Nui. Some of you may have heard her on this podcast. She's reporting from Manaus in Brazil, which gained global notoriety when some rather grim images of mass burials there emerged in April. She's found out what exactly went wrong and whether it could happen again. It's a fascinating read, and there are some stunning, if rather haunting, images uh, in that article. Link to that also in the show notes. If you found today's show useful, please do leave it a five-star rating and perhaps even a short review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to this feed to make sure you don't miss my next update. If you'd like to get in touch, the email address is coronaviruspodcast at telegraph.co.uk and you can find me on Twitter at T underscore Leloudis. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leludis.
0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be.